Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast, Secrets to the Saddle, All Things Cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dow. Now, before we get started, I have a couple freebies for you. And before you go, um, before you go check them out, go and follow me on Instagram for more cycling tips. Okay, so that's Sylvie Dow underscore cyclist. Um, and I'll see you there. So my free downloads, there are three of them. The first one is my nine favorite hill climbing skills download. So there's nine in there. Go try them out. Next time you do hill repeats, do them with purpose. And that is what's going to give you the performance improvement. If you go out and you have something very specific to work on. The next thing is my gear bin checklist. Now, if you're one of those people who kind of is like all over the place, maybe you show up late because you can't find this, you can't find that. Get this list check out the bike bin or bike bag that I use. Um, a lot of my club members have purchased it just to get organized. And what we do is we just keep it in our car with all of our stuff in it. So literally all I have to do is take that with me, put it in my trunk, my shoes, my helmet, my gloves, my food, my, uh, you know, my chamois butter, my sunscreen, everything's in there. So I never have to go looking for anything. And the last thing is, is my bike maintenance uh, recording. So it's an hour, but this hour is going to give you so much information about how to use the tools that you need to be carrying with you on a daily when you're going out riding, how to use them, how to take your back wheel off, how to change a tire, how to patch a tube, how to uh, repair a broken chain, um, and all sorts of other things in between. So Go to askcoachsylvie.com to download all your free um, uh, documents and that recording. And I'd love to know your feedback on them. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram for more amazing tips. Take care and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right. Thanks everyone for coming to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew. And we have an amazing guest on today, Dr. Aaron Hubbs. He is coming to us from Oregon on the West coast. And we, we had to do this a couple of times because we, are, we got our times all mixed up, but we're so happy to be here. I'm so glad because not only is he a cyclist, but he has an amazing program that he specializes working with men uh, of all levels from teens to, I imagine seniors. Um, so he really specializes in men's health, which I think is so needed these days. Um, he's a naturopathic doctor. He has a transformation coach, so mind, body, spirit. And before we bring Dr. Aaron out, or maybe I'll just gonna say Aaron, um, I'm gonna give you a little bit of his background and then we're gonna get right into all the amazing things that he does. So he's a doctor, teacher, and storyteller, mentor, musician, and father. His education and training are as diverse as his hobbies and interests. So we're going to dive into those because I was, I was just making fun of him before because he said he's, he's into pickleball. So we're just like having a little chuckle about that um, because it's uh, one of the most up and coming sports actually. Um, and so what he's done is he's a competitive athlete and avid uh, musician and also volunteering through mentorship and service work programs um, currently. Now, in the past 15 years, Aaron has had a career as a naturopathic doctor and acupun acupuncturist specialist in men's health, counseling, and mind-body medicine. 
from facilitating men's groups, running boys mentor programs, leading uh, weekend retreats, focusing on personal development and uh, growth or caring for his parents, Aaron has a love for health and wellness. His passion and purpose for working with men has led him to pivoting his clinical practice to running on an online health um, health coaching business, focusing on helping men reinvent themselves and transforming their lives. So this is what a lot of things we're going to be talking about. His men's health programs are deep and meaningful work exploring mindset, vulnerability, intimacy, uh, spirituality, nutrition, fitness, and hormones, just to name a few. In the near future, Aaron plans on facilitating more retreats for men's and couples and starting a podcast, eh? so as well as writing a book. And I am so excited to bring him on. So please welcome Aaron. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Oh my gosh. So like I said, he is a cyclist and didn't have to necessarily be a cyclist for me to ask him to be on the podcast because a lot of, um, you know, uh, listeners are men as well as women. A lot of women have, you know, male partners. And so I think that that this is just such an important um, topic to share and to spread the word on that it was a no brainer having him come on. So Aaron, I just really want you to, all right. So I was just asking you to give us uh, a background, um, your cycling, how you got into and deciding to really, you know, focus on men's health. Okay. Yeah. So for me, um, riding a bike started super early, you know, as a young boy and, you know, Back then, I, I, I talked to my kids about green spaces because back then we had a lot of green space to mm -hmm. ride around. And it was one of those times where, you know, the moms and dads would say, see you at dinner. So we'd be out all day long. No. Don't come home. Right. And the thing that I fell in love with, you know, I, I did a lot of sports and we'll get to that in a minute. But what I fell in love with was the bike. And so for us, it was building ramps and going mm -hmm. into the dirt trails and um, I grew up most of my life in Oklahoma and there is um, growing up, there was a, a guy there that it, um, still today is probably considered one of the legends of, of um, like BMX, uh, his oh. name's Matt Hoffman. They call him the Condor. So he's won a bunch of X games and he's, you know, just an amazing, uh, was a role model. You know, he's, he's, I think he's exactly my same age, but by the time I was probably getting into high school. He was on the cover of every magazine. He, you know, so we watched him do these half pipes and these jumps and all this stuff. So as a kid, we were trying to copy all that and build these ramps and, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of what got me just um, in love with the bike. And for me, it was uh, just such a fun thing to be out there riding, pedaling, uh, create, you know, like I said, creating ramps and trails um, with my brother and a bunch of our friends on the block. And so that's really um, kind of what got me started. Um, I tried, I, I always say the way I'm built is not for running. And I'm sure my runner <laughs> friends and people would say that, you know, cause I grew up playing soccer. So I'm more of a sprinter type of type right. of mentality. So long distance running marathons um, never appealed to me. But by the time I got like early college I started doing these sprint triathlons and started kind of understanding different, um, you know ways to, to bike and, and run these 10 Ks and stuff. And so I think I was, um, and I'd always mountain biked. That was always my thing. I'd never had a road bike until, oh gosh, I was probably 24, something like that. When I got my first road bike. Yeah. I got, I got one from a friend and it was one of his hand-me-downs that he built bikes and, you know, it was a super awesome bike that he built for Whoa. himself. So I got, I got it and, uh, just, just fell in love with the road bike. And from that point on, um, I never looked back. And so for me, uh, still to this day, it's something I, uh, I don't do it as much. There for, there for probably 
20 years, it was my life. I mean, it was, oh. you know, it was something I did. I, I could go on a 30 mile ride in the morning and by evening I'm going on another ride. It was one of those things. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, it gripped me. And I think for me, uh, before I even know, knew about low impact on the joints and how, <laughs> right, all those kind of things, yeah. I, I, it felt good to me. And, it, and um, I just really appreciated being out in nature. I appreciated mm -hmm. um, being able to ride super fast um, going out with buddies and friends and, uh, we'd have some great conversations, but also for me, just, um, it, it became kind of my therapy. It actually, you know, it really was something that I understood. And it's still to this day is like nothing else in my life that I'm able to get on the bike. And I probably only ride maybe twice a week at this point. Um, not daily, like I used to. And I have a, a trainer that I can spin in the garage if it's raining here in Portland. But for me, two hours out on the bike, out in, out in the world. Um, you know, those days I'm having a tough day. I try to run, you know, spin as fast as I can to get away from my problems kind of thing. <laughs> but it's also just this very meditative. Um, and I know a lot of cyclists relate to making yeah. circles with the pedals and just really um, being in that zone where sometimes I'm listening to a podcast. Sometimes I'm listening to music. Sometimes I'm doing nothing but just listening to my breath and thinking and so for me, it really um, is this meditative, almost spiritual thing that every time I come back, I have processed information differently than if I'm working out or just walking in the trails or something. So um, that's what it's really become for me. It's, it's not something I do for my workout. I used to do it a lot for fitness and to stay fit and training all that. And it still helps that, but that's not, that's not what I look at it for anymore. And um, you know, I've, I've watched all the tours forever and ever, but now it's different. I, I, I mean, I almost don't even want to say this. I didn't watch one stage of the tour of France this year. I know. And if you know me, my kids were like, what? Cause I buy a package this year. I watch every, you know, every tour I get, you know, I, I used to buy the package every year to like watch every single tour, uh, Roubaix, who, whatever. And this, I don't know, something has shifted in me where other things, yeah, um, yeah or, or, you know, other things have kind of gotten uh, my attention more. And so I still love cycling, but it's less about what it used to be for me. And now it's mm -hmm. clearly just my love for the bike, love for being out on rides. And I really look forward to that once or twice a week ride where I know that um, I get to go be with myself. I get away from everything. And I pretty much just ride by myself now. I um, sometimes will call a friend or try and coordinate that. But, you know, as life's been busy and definitely through COVID, yeah. it was still my escape. I could still get out on a bike away from all the people, not have any issues around that. And so that's still what it is for me. Um, when I try, um, I'll, uh, I'll be 50 this November. So when I turn 40, <laughs> I, uh, now my ex-wife, but I had a long talk with my wife and said at that time and said, is it cool? Can I get the green light to buy whatever road bike I want to buy? Oh gosh, what did you so go for? To myself. And so, you know, <laughs> I still have the same one. I haven't, I don't know if I'll ever need another one. So I love yeah. it. And, you know, so it's, uh, that was a really fun, fun time to get the kind of the road bike of my dreams or whatever. And, um, you know, so that's what it is for me. Uh, my, all my kids ride, they all have bikes. I kind of, a long time ago, I kind of bought into or fell in love with specialized that company. So all, we all have specialized. That's pretty that's much what all. I have. Yep. And yep. so, um, yeah, so I ride with my kids. If I'm going to ride with anybody, that's, that's, uh, who I ride with and we'll go on you know, different kind of rides than I would by myself or whatever. Yeah. And I've never in my entire life had never broken a bone in my body. And I've, I've been a hardcore athlete and had a lot of injuries until I think it was three or four years ago, my son, who's now nine years old, pulled in front of me just enough that our <laughs> tires hit and I go crashing and broke my <laughs> right, you know, elbow. Oh no, not the elbow. <laughs> Only time I've ever broken a bone. So, uh, but I've had enough road rash to, you know, brag about all that. I've had a lot of injuries on the bike and it never, it never deterred me or kept me from wanting to get, I would always be sitting in recovery. Couldn't wait till I could get back on the saddle. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things. So it's definitely still in me. Um, and I appreciate what it's, what it does for me fitness wise, but more on a psychological level. I think for me, I found that thing 
uh, and I meditate a lot. I do all those other things, but cycling is one of those things that's, it, it's irreplaceable for what that does for me on a, uh, you know, the internal alchemy level. I can totally relate to you, Aaron, because uh, just recently, like, you know, before I used to look for people to ride with, now I'm just like, you know, sometimes I always like prefer riding by myself so I can reflect and I do a lot of thinking too like I do podcasts so I don't listen to music but um I like you, you know you have your those internal arguments in your head like you're like oh you know those those and then then you're thinking and strategizing about business and or you're just thinking about life and and sometimes I just like to zone out like that Mm -hmm. and um, I don't know if you've discovered this so I when I do all that now someone turned me on to the idea not when we're on bikes but um I'll have my you know earbuds in and I'll just I'll tell Siri to make a note that kind of thing so I'll, I'll come back with 10 or 15 things that I've thought of during that time instead of waiting until I get home to write them down which is what I used to do now I just say them into my you know into the little microphone thing as I'm writing and some really amazing brilliant things come from that and I know. I know a lot of purists hear that and they're like, no, you shouldn't have listened to anything or you should, you know, whatever. It's dangerous. Um, but it, it's something that I found really valuable just to kind of make notes of those things coming up in my mind that I want to, um, you know, Do it's kind of like dreaming, you know, when we wake up, we need to talk to our, you know, write our dreams down. Right. But I've had some really breakthrough moments just going back over the notes that I've created out on those long two or three hour rides. I know. And, you know, sometimes I just go on like really big drunkologues of like, if I was doing a presentation on, okay, so let me just go back. You say you ask Siri to give you a note to write a note down. Can I do that? You can. We, we've come a long way since we, you know, because technology. A, so. like, like you said, there's a lot of times when, you know, you have that brilliant idea and and you totally forget, like, you know, and okay, I'm going to have to check. I actually it. got that idea from a friend said something, but a musician, I was listening to a story one time and they said, they, that's what they do. They'll be out somewhere. They'll hear somebody say something that sounds like, man, that'd be a great thing for a lyric or a thing. And they'll just talk into their phone or they'll, you know, speak into their phone to write it down. And again, you know, notepads are kind of a thing of the past, whether that's good or bad. And so I, I kind really of took that, that idea. What was that? <laughs> You can't really do that when you're cycling. Because I like to say, he's like, Siri, make a note. This is what, and that's what you do. Or a reminder. Sometimes I'll think of something that I've totally forgotten that I needed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so, you know, there's times to zone out. And sometimes, like I said, I don't even take anything with me. I'll have my phone in one of my back pockets or something. But, um, you know, so there are moments where I do uh, get a lot of work done out on my rides. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to talk about that after this podcast because i'm sure people are like i don't want to hear about it. or maybe they do what do you mean you can take notes so um okay maybe you should just give us a little tutorial not too long on how that works on your phone okay well there's yeah. two ways you can okay. um you know i know so airbuds you can just hold it down for three seconds push the little you know little thing in your ear and it will take you directly to siri yeah or you can say I think you have to, you know, hi Siri or whatever the little prompt is, or, you know, you just say a little thing and, um, and same with Apple watches, you can talk right into your watch same way and keep oh, notes into your watch. Can you do this? I have an Android. Again, I have to research it then. I think it's similar, but I think yeah. you just, there's some voice prompt and, um, and you can say, you know, a reminder calendar or a note okay 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 voice yeah. prompt okay everybody so that's a voice prompt on your phone to take a voice text note yeah. and then you can go back into okay all right cool we've all learned something and <laughs> and and like seriously Aaron there is and I you could just there's so many things that I like that go through the the brain when you're on a ride and if you're if you, so if you don't ride and you're listening to this podcast it's time to get on any kind of bike it doesn't matter you don't have to be on a specialized like us you just have to go for a toodle and things will come to you i hear the same like, thing from runners 
my yeah. marathon and ultra runner friends out on those long runs, they're, they're oh. processing the same. So I think runners can relate to that, that thing that, you know, yeah. that we're talking about. All right. So, so cycling has taken you to your business or going to school and becoming a doctor of naturopath, a naturopathic doctor. And so where did that avenue lead you to specifically go into men's health? Like where was it in that path that you made that transition? Yeah. So I was fascinated as a kid because I said, you know, I was very active, a lot of bumps and bruises and scrapes and stuff. So I think, you know, the kind of uh, cheesy stories that I, I just had a lot of scabs that would heal and I couldn't understand. I just thought that was so cool, you know, and so I saw the innate ability of the body at a really young age that got me curious and I started getting super curious about how all that works. And, you know, I was just young, so I didn't know anything about you know, science or medicine or anything and that really, but by the time I got into high school um, and I, you know, full disclosure, I wasn't the best student in high school. You know, I think I scraped by with maybe a 3.0 or something like that, you know, so I, I had a lot of fun and, and a lot of fun stories in there that, um, so I'm not going to brag and say I was the model student in high school, but I was curious and I, um, that curiosity just started helping me form some ideas that there was two things or a couple things I was interested in. Human behavior, I was so curious. I was one of those observers. I would just watch people more than people watch for the thrill of it or fun. I would maybe analyze or you know study people and, and try and understand why, why do we all act the way we act? And so my first degree is in psychology. So I went to college and you know that was my first love. I knew I was gonna do science. I knew I was very interested in medicine. I didn't know what kind of doctor. I didn't know anything about naturopathic medicine because, you know, you and I are old enough to say the internet wasn't around. I couldn't get I on. Have, I have one question. Yeah. So when you're in high school and you said you're an observer, was there one person or a couple people that you kind of like analyzed or was it everybody? Everybody. You think I, of I like one person, you're just like, Okay, I'm gonna watch this person. No, no, and it was, <laughs> I, I would say it was almost to a fault because I would just stand back, I would stand back and just watch, you know, some people and I'm very, I'm very outgoing, but I think that gets confused sometimes with extroverted. I'm actually kind of an introverted person, but I'm very outgoing. And so for me, I would just kind of sit, sit back a little bit and watch people at a party or in class, you know, in the classroom. Uh -huh. And I'm, I'm very open to talk. I very, I'm very comfortable talking to any age group. And I always have been, even as a young kid, my parents would always say, you can just talk to our friends and older people. And so I'm very comfortable with most settings and always have been. But looking back now, and I'm still a little bit like that, where I just, I study my environment. I kind of pay attention to things. And so um, there wasn't just one or two people. It was kind of everybody, <laughs> to be honest. And I just watched and just wanted to understand people and some people I was trying to understand how did they get to be so great whether that was pro athletes or musicians or really famous people and then mm -hmm. on the other side people that I saw in life um, that were struggling because I grew up in a very service oriented family my grandparents and my parents we were do I was doing soup kitchens and volunteering from a very oh, young okay. age and I would also look at the people struggling at that point mm -hmm. and then try and make sense of that or try and study that or understand that so it was kind of everybody and so I wanted to understand psychology, the, the mind, um, kind of human behavior. So that was my first degree, which, um, I, like I said, I already knew I wanted to do science. And like I tell my kids all the time, you don't have to do it like I did it because I was a career student. Um, I was in school for a long time, lots of degrees, lots of all that kind of stuff. And so then I followed that up with a biology degree right after my psych degree, where most of my friends were getting out of school <laughs> And I've talked about this a lot with people that um, I was in school for a long time when everybody was getting out, going to work. I was just, I was a student. So that's great on some levels, but I also, I, I missed out on some things in, in the real world because academics is not the real world. It's academic and you're, you're in this little bubble of, of information, um, but I loved it. And, and like I said, uh, high school was not my, my claim to fame, but when I got to college, 
I was a good student and paid attention and learned how to study. Um, real, actually realized that information uh, comes into me and, and I, I learned how to memorize and really, um, really enjoyed it. It wasn't a chore. Um, like, you know, I mean, I didn't always love studying, but it was something that came easy to me once I figured out how I, how I process information or where, you know, how I studied. So um, through all that time, I started um, looking, I started really forming this mind-body connection. Cause like I said, from psychology into biology, and then I did graduate work in evolutionary biology all before medical school. And at that time, I didn't know much about naturopathic medicine. So <laughs> I asked around, um, I had read a few books by Andrew Weil. He did like spontaneous healing and a few other books. So at one point I went and visited his school out in Arizona, which he was trying to do some, some cutting edge stuff. Um, and so I was looking around at some alternatives because I just knew I didn't totally think that way. For me, I've always thought a little bit more alternative, um, a little more natural, or, you know, I just didn't know if there was other versions. And I remember I'm sitting in an interview for um, osteopathic school and um, barely squeaked in to even get, get an interview after, you know, did the MCATs and all that stuff. And the, the interviewer, I, I don't know if he was the a dean or, or what his title was, but he said, he even said this quote, which is interesting because I live in Oregon now, but he said, reading your essay, listening to your story, how you talk about medicine, you're going to be swimming upstream like a salmon. You're, you're like in medicine. You, this is not, you know, you need call my friend. He's the president of this school out in Oregon. It's, it's called naturopathic medicine. I'd honestly never heard of it because again, I couldn't just get on Google and, um, you know, search it. So I, I, I just had to go by what I could find. Like um, this is the, this is the place you need to go based said, on. Yeah. Cause he said, you know, not, he said, I think you're going to be, I don't know what your journey, I don't know if you're going to get into this school or whatever. Um, but I think you're going to be surprised or I don't know what adjective he, you, you know, I think you might disappointed or just, dis, you know, disheartened or something because the way you're describing is not how this medicine works. And so I called Portland, Oregon and talked to the, at that time, the president of the school that I ended up eventually going to and um, came out and, and literally within a month's time after that interview calling um, this gentleman, I was on a plane coming out to Portland and um, you know interviewed at that school and, and all the different schools at that time, there was only a handful in the state. So I went to all the different places that they had these naturopathic school and just loved it. And just really felt like I'd found my calling. I'd found my purpose, my place. And so I ended up after getting accepted in all those different schools, settled on Portland and moved out here in 2000 to start naturopathic school, which also had a classical Chinese medicine program. So I did both programs um, at the same time. And if you do naturopathic school, it's four years. If you do the Chinese medicine, it's four years. But if you combine them, it was six years. So I did the <laughs> six year program. Like I said, I was in school from 1990 when I graduated from high school to 2006. <laughs> well, I know if you're, years. we're the same age. So you probably graduated high school of like 89, 90. roughly 90. Yep. And <laughs> I'm just like doing the math. I'm like, Oh yeah. Right. So, so for 16 uh, so years, I was in school. Yeah. What, what was your student loan like finishing? Let's not go there. Let's not go <laughs> there. <laughs> I was having a good time till you brought that up. <laughs> I was just like, well, we could all do the calculations, can we? <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any undergraduate. I had no debt coming to school, but when I got here, that's where most, and you know, it's funny because that's actually become my, my number one goal in life is to get out of debt. Right. And I, it's been this like thing I push to the side. And again, that's for another conversation, but it's funny you bring it up because uh, I was kind of afraid of it for a long time. And just, you, you know, it's just, it's so much. And uh, now it's just been one of those things like, let's face well, yeah, you gotta get it, get it done. Right. Cause you don't want to retire with that. I, I, I'm reading. Oh, like I don't even, I even, even like, yeah, there's just energy around it. It's not yeah. as much about the number of the money. It's more about the energy around it for me. And I've identified that that's a, you know, that thing, but yeah, so that's, that's where, how I got here. And, um, you know, 
in high school, college, I'd always done um, mentor programs. I was a, the camp counselor um, at these um, kind of uh, ecology kind of programs and these fun summer camps. So I I'd learned very early that I was a good mentor. I was a good teacher. And I found that that was something I felt very passionate about. I loved connecting to people and just being, uh, I guess, a role model. I really appreciated that, you know, seeing people look up to me and it, it, it kind of invited me to be a good, you know, be a better person, I guess I'd say, and to just try and emulate what these people were showing up to, to seek out. So that was my love for mentorship and, and teaching. Um, and I have just had amazing mentors and teachers in my own life. And so, um, you know, I don't think I just stumbled into men's health. I think it's something that called me out early um, because I have always been, um, I, I, I would say maybe I don't have a ton of superpowers, but one of my superpowers is I've always cultivated my parents brought me up in that way. Um, I've always been able to take a look within. I've never been afraid of that. I've always been okay with um, seeing a counselor when that was needed, or uh, I've never seen any stigma or shame around any of that kind of work. And as I've learned as a guy and as a man, that's not normal. You know, a lot of guys, my friends, just a lot of guys I've worked with have struggled with some of that because it's not something that is trained from the ground up. It's not something that we are taught to do generally speaking. But for me, it was just something I felt comfortable doing. So I think for me, it called me out as much as I looked, you know, I called it out to just really have a love and passion to work with men. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got there. And I still do a boys mentor program and um, used to be younger. So it was like nine years old. To 10 we called it before the flood of fire before uh the <laughs> testosterone kicks in yeah, right right so we'd get a hold get of them I, I'm that's probably the best time to mentor them because they're like little sponges and they'll actually listen Amazing. to you i have a nine-year-old right now and he's still so like he pliable he i'm still his hero until i know right i have a nine-year-old son too and oh. and and he does, it's surprising, he looks up to me, mommy, put me to bed. And you know what I'm reading to him, Aaron? Mm. I'm reading him The Wealthy Barber. Oh, great. I don't know if you ever came across. Have, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and he's just like, and I laugh because I'm like, I'm like, okay, what am I going to read to you now that the book's done? I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about money. That's so <laughs> and, cool. And uh, he's like read it more to me like keep reading I'm just like oh my gosh I think I've done something good because um if there's anyone in out of my kids who is going to be like the spender on uh it was going to be him mm. <laughs> and, that's actually and, really um, cool that and, actually brought something up for me that yeah. I learned when they were little, I would read to them a little bit, but that mm -hmm. their mom was a little bit more of that. And what I did is I told stories and wow. I've always my been a storyteller. Stories. And so they, yeah. my kids, I have three kids, two, two sons and a daughter. They literally know every story about my life. All the bad things I did, all the times I got oh, in trouble, that's awesome. all the, pretty much everything. And they, you know, when I was putting them to bed, they would I'd say, what, what do you want to hear? I, I used to work in an emergency room when I was in my you know, early twenties, they wanted to know every story about the ER life. Um, so that was a fun thing because I've learned, I love to tell stories. And so I, I see the value of reading to our children, but I just love to tell stories. And so, um, but back to the men's health and, and, and now coming kind of to fruition, I realize now more than ever, um, it's so needed. It's so needed. And I think um, I've, I've realized and I've heard the feedback a lot. Um, I'm good at it. It's something I'm really uh, able to connect to men, whether it's it's been through sports or, or all the different things. But I also just, there's something about who I am that can create a space that uh, more times than I can count, I've had men tell me, I've never told anybody this. You know, those, and those, I, I love those moments because that is so You're special. like, yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, and so I'm like this. Keeper, I'm the keeper of secrets because as a doctor, yeah. it, there is that that um, relationship that is is super safe and and secure. And I think a lot of 
patients, when they go see their doctor, they know they can be honest. And so um, I found over time that that's something I really can connect to men and help them feel safe and comfortable to talk about whether it's healthcare stuff that's very, you know, embarrassing or, or, or awkward to talk about, or they may, might be afraid to know the actual information of what might be going on. They'd rather maybe be in denial, but also about some deeper work. And I think that's become my focus is that, again, I'm almost 50 years old and I've learned through my own, you know, all those degrees I have, all that stuff, honestly, pales in comparison to my life experience and, the, and all the hardships that I've gone through. Um, most recently at 45, I had to literally start over. Got divorced, financial ruin. Um, I, you know, I had a map. Like you said, I was a career student. I had an agenda. I had a vision. And so everything seemed to be perfect. I was married. I had kids. I thought, oh, everything's, uh, you know, you set that GPS in the car, you follow the the you know, the, the map, you follow the directions. And um, at some point, the GPS was telling me to turn left in my marriage, and I kept going right or kept going straight. And so looking back, I realized if I would have probably paid more attention or been a lot more able to be honest, I could have, you know, probably things might be different, who knows, but I realized that things were looking back in the rearview mirror, it's always easy, you know, looking now, but things weren't great, and you know, and I think I'm uh, I've matured and been honest with myself to really understand and own that that I wasn't doing the work. I wasn't really in my marriage, in life. I was making some bad financial decisions and and different things like that that led me to at 45 having to be that that guy, you know, that guy that's just the the midlife crisis or whatever midlife reset, as some people have called it, right? But that get it was done um, early, not like later. You on. know, I'm laughing about it, but at that time, you know, anyone who's gone through that knows it's no laughing matter. It's it was literally probably one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing, I've ever had to go through because you never see that coming. You know, you never see that situation coming, and so fortunately, I had what I call the tools and the skills, and I had all the things in place that I'd talk to everybody about. And again, I've meditated my whole life. I've been healthy and fit and all those that went out the window for probably nine months. I was not on the bike. I was not working out. I wasn't even playing my guitar and I play music every day for at least an hour to two hours. It is, it is another one of those things that is like my, my therapy, my, my thing. So really out of shape. I think I'm, I'm pretty fit and comfortable around 180. I got up to 220 and that's 40 pounds. I mean, I'm, it's my world record and I felt terrible. I felt, and I looked in the mirror, all the pictures I've actually, I destroyed and, and threw away some pictures that I just, you know, you're looking at yourself and you just don't know how you got there. And so that, that mm -hmm. map that I had, that plan, I was lost. Like I just, you know, sitting in that at 45 years old and um, it took me a while. It took me probably a year to a year and a half to get my traction again, to get the, the wind back in my sails, so to speak. But from that point on, it's been this rebuilding, this reinventing, uh, recalibrating, re-engineering, whatever word fits, you know, whatever. So, uh, but that's what it's been. And it's been the most liberating and amazing thing that now that's what I want to help men do. Because so I love the Yeah, so it? this segues into like, what yeah. are your programs like for men? So now that yeah. you've got like a lot of, uh, let's just say your own ex life experience that yeah. you can relate to a lot of men, um, yeah. how are you putting it together for your programs or your, yeah. your retreats? Like, what are you doing now? Mm -hmm. And then like you're talking about the future. So I'll ask about the future in a minute, but sure. what do you have yeah. together right now that somebody could access? Yeah. And, so and um, just a quick segue. So there's been a, you know, it was, it was a tough moment with COVID for a lot of us and some mm -hmm. people had tragic stories. So I don't want to underplay that. But for me, there was a lot of silver linings and my kids and I were probably on, on a lot of levels, the happiest the healthiest, our mental state. We focused on a lot of things in that department. But what it also opened me up to was the brick and mortar concept that having a clinic, having that um, seemed uh, 
I didn't need that anymore. I, I and I, you know, I, I really understood that I wanted, I wanted something bigger. I wanted to have more impact than just helping men in Portland locally. And so that really opened my mind up to this whole online, this whole kind of um, entrepreneurial uh, coaching situation where um, I'm a hands-on, you know, like you said, the acupuncture, I do adjustments head to toe. So I work a lot with structural things, a lot of athletes, but I've realized that actually my gift is different than being people's doctor. It's more of their teacher, mentor, guide to, right. um, to get to the places they want to go, whether that's lose weight, uh, better relationships with their, their wife or partner, uh, be a better father, um, those kind of things. So what I've learned is that I can reach people and men uh, globally, which I'm not quite yeah. there, but I, I'm working with men in different states through Zoom and through all the online thing. And so that's what I've really uh, moved into. And so the program, and it's, it's as you know, we're, we're in the same mastermind. It's an evolution. It's an and evolution. I thought I was, pivoting, I thought I was going to have one pivot from clinical to this online world. <laughs> You're like, but, forget it. I'm jumping over I, that. I'm but doing it keeps something evolving different. And, and I keep understanding it better. And so for right now, what I, and it's, and it's changing, but I have uh, a 90 day program that I think I'm okay. switching into an eight week program because and, and, but for right now, there's still a 90 day and, and probably an eight week program. And I'm going to create different ones too monthly, you know, a lot of different ones, but think of it like this. Um, I was seeing patients, uh, seeing guys, let's say once a month, they'd come in and see me, what I would call almost like a tune up. They'd come in, I'd rotate the tires. We'd talk about some things. I'd give them a few things to work on. I wouldn't see them for another month. Um, and I, not to say that was getting boring because I don't want to under, you know, I don't want to undermine or, or whatever. It just wasn't, I wasn't, the impact wasn't there for me. So I've, I've condensed what somebody might see in a, a year long, you know, 12 visits once a month. I've condensed that into 90 days or 12 weeks. And so that's the idea. Once a week, there's a different topic. Um, we go through Zoom. We talk, you know, first, because to me, the most important thing is mindset. Nothing else, I, I believe, nothing else can get us there until our mindset, is, we can wrap our brain and our mind around a concept. And so, you know, first week is mindset, then we moved into, you know, and I don't know the exact order right off, but, you know, uh, nutrition, fitness, spirituality, um, if, you know, uh, marriage or relationships. Um, I work a lot with men in sexual vitality that have erectile dysfunction and other, and other um, issues like that. So that's a topic. Um, money and, and even people that make a lot of money might have interesting relationship to that. And it's not just people that are, are struggling financially. It's also people that have a lot of money, but what is your relationship to money? What's your mindset? What's your fear, worry around money? That's a um, big thing. That's even, yeah. So we talk that's about like hormones. a subject on its own. <laughs> you know, we look into hormones and, and, you know, I'm not playing their doctor. What I do is I recommend them go talk to their doctor about getting hormone panels done or, uh, if testosterone needs to be in play. So I've really moved into a coaching uh, situation. And so, um, you know, kind of just getting started to really, uh, you know, pivot that all to the online world, but mm -hmm. super excited. And some of the it work sounds I'm doing great. Is, it's really cool. You know, it's funny, Aaron, and I don't, but when I think of hormones, I always think of like, you know, women's hormones, like women are the only ones who have hormones, but my my girlfriend who is a hormone specialist she's like oh no men have lots of hormones too and I'm like really <laughs> well it's funny because like, I think women we see that as a monthly cycle and I have yeah, a yeah I mean, like it's, it's, it's very uh it's there I mean we can but I almost think men are on a daily cycle our hormones are so interesting and we're all on a daily cycle but you know I see this uh because a lot of men can go from you know being testosterone dominant and for different reasons they can um, testosterone can back up and all hormones are related just steps away from becoming other hormones you know right. so everything kind of starts with cholesterol and whether it's prednisone estrogen testosterone they're all just branches from each other and right. so a lot of men have a lot of estrogen dominance and you can see that in their you know they take on female characteristics because they're estrogen dominant so hormones are just as powerful in men as it is in women and a lot of men at my age 
start to really dip in their testosterone for, for all kinds of reasons, but age being one of them. And so um, a, lot of, a lot of men are struggling uh, in their life, whether that's focus, clarity, energy, libido, sleep, um, because of really low testosterone. And hormones drive the train, as I say, you know, if our hormones are out of balance, whether we're men and women, men or women, you can't lose weight. You can try as hard as you want, but if your hormones are out of balance, you know, happiness is, is hormones. We get, you know, neurotransmitters and hormones get dumped into our system in those ways. So hormones are a big, are a big thing. And that's definitely one week of the topic is I get guys to go get tested if they haven't looked at their hormones. Um, but the deeper work, all that, you know, all the, the fitness and the food and, you know, I go over their nutrition, but the interesting part is when men are finally ready to start doing some introspection, which again, vulnerability, intimacy, those are scary words. And, you know, and I, I honor men where they're at because I, I understand that that's not something that's, you know, taught to us or that's socially acceptable. And I, um, you know, I'm as alpha dude as the next guy. I love sports. <laughs> I love to, you know, to see what my body can do and all that kind of stuff. And also there's another side of that equation that's, it is about meditation. It is about deep breathing. It is about taking inventory and looking at the different parts of our lives that we, we need to take a look at and make some minor adjustments and stuff like that. So I love that work too, uh, to balance I'll out. I'll send my husband to you because I on. call him like, I'm like, I can't handle your little, I know his moods are based on, you know, stuff that's going and here, like stuff that's going on in the house, right? Like us, you know, finances, sure. kids thing, all that stuff, like just blows up the, the emotions. And I'm like, you're so moody. Like I thought I was bad. I'm more of the guy sometimes in the, in the well, and you're, you're touching on all those things you just described. Yeah. a sense of stress. And I yeah. think that's a really big deal for all of us to start identifying in the things we perceive as stressful and learning ways to deal with our stress because yeah. all of us feel that. I mean, good Lord, any of us with kids or, I mean, mm -hmm. any of us with, that are still breathing and living feel stress and yeah. identify things that are stressful. And so I hear a lot of that and I, I feel that in my own life for sure. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big part of, you know, what I work, work on with men is just to identify what are the stressors in your life and how what are ways we can work on that to feel less stressful when things yeah. come our way well yeah yeah we know what it is it's, it's <laughs> and it <laughs> the thing is that the good thing is that we have decent communication it can always get better and um and i know it stresses him and sometimes it's some of the things that i'm doing and sure. it, and and it's and we've all, it's like, there's things that I expect him to um, be on, like that are not my non-negotiables and he has his non-negotiables. Yeah. And, you know, like we both have to be respecting those non-negotiables or there's trouble, right? Like it's so, and that's where the stress comes from. Cause some, some of them are like, kind of falling off yeah. the wayside yeah. and, uh, but and, so you know, with yeah, your, sorry, with your, are you doing your program right now? Or are you still in the one-on-one -on -one kind of coaching? Like, have you launched your program or? Yeah. I mean, I've done what I call a beta run because I'm okay. still tweaking it, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's ready. I mean, I'm, you know, right now, it is, it is one-on-one. -on -one. And I think eventually where I'm, what I'm wanting to move into is, uh, have, have some group situations yes. where, you know, I can work with 10 or 15 guys at a time where maybe it's less, you know, just going super deep all the time, but really just identifying, you know, I'm a guy, we all have the same issues. Me too. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not immune to it. And I, I would never say I mean, there is no finish line in this work. There is no, we're never going to arrive to this place where I'm not, I'm constantly working on myself and identifying things. So I'm right there with every guy I work with. It's not like I'm, you know, the almighty teacher and the yeah, guru. Right. I'm right there with them. It's like when I do mentor programs and work with men in, in retreats or live settings, we all sit in a circle. You know, I'm not up on some pedestal looking down and lecturing to anybody. I'm right there with all men I work with because 
I identify with what they're going through. And sometimes they've gone through something that I haven't, and I learned from them, you know? So for me, it's that kind of uh, situation where it's, we're all equals in that, in that place. But I, you know, I've learned some skills. I have some knowledge that I want to share with men and, and help them, uh, you know, make some adjustments and, and, and become more peaceful and happy with their lives. And so, yeah, the program is set right now. Like I said, I'm tweaking it, but, um, you know, it's, it's ready to go. And I'm, you know, I've got some guys, you know, working with right now and, and going to continue to, um, do my work with teenagers and do that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, Get them really while they're young so they can figure it out before they hit adulthood. Well, as you know, having kids and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, you might, and a lot of, uh, listeners our age, I didn't feel the stress that these younger people are feeling. Yeah, right I, I agree with you totally. Like growing up in the eighties, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think about what was ultimately stressful. Maybe the, a, maybe one bully at school. I know I had one, um, but yeah. other than that, it was, you know, we partied, we had school, we had yeah. sports, and maybe this stress came from home environment. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Some, some kids did grow up with a lot of stress if there was um, yeah. things going on at home and mm -hmm. things like that. Now, I mean, you know, look around. It comes everywhere. It has teenagers or younger, you know, even middle, you know, there's a lot of uh, increased depression, anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and with so with uh, social media and mm -hmm. and younger people. You know, I'm so glad that phones weren't invented back then. I'm so glad for I my know. parents because I know how triggered I get with my kids and their phones and the social <laughs> media aspect. But you know, there's tons of podcasts and, and documentaries being done right now, of course, on what this impact is on a psychological, emotional, and every other uh, aspect of, of younger people and adults. But I think it's super important for um, the work I'm doing with teenagers, with you know, young boys, and I think all parents reach out to your community and find um, people for your you know, sons and daughters to work with, because there's a lot out there. There's a lot of people identifying and doing great work and just um, and I, I lead with questions when I work, same with men, uh, but when I work with teenagers, especially I ask them questions and they look at me like, thank you so much. You know, I asked one kid a couple of weeks ago, I said, what, what things make you angry? And he looked at me, he's like, that is such a great question. And he went off for five minutes, 10 minutes about all the things that make him angry right now. And for him to have that platform and to to know that again, there's confidentiality. And I let him know like, Hey, the thing is we talk about, um, they're confidential, you know, and I'll, I'll ask, and I said, some, if something happens that I, I will let you know, but there might be something I need to talk to your parents about. And I do, but I, I, I let them know ahead of time. And so there's this, this rapport, or this really neat connection that happens that there's some trust or a lot of trust and safety that they just talk and talk about their lives. And for a young person to have that, that platform or that ability is priceless because they need, they need a place to talk about and, and learn to identify more than just maybe with their parents. You know, I was like, that doesn't work. I didn't want to talk to my parents about my real problems. They were part of the problem. You know? oh, yeah, <laughs> seriously. I know I have an 18 year old and, right. and I just, and I, I, I look at her life and I look at my life when I was a teenager and I try to, I try to stay calm in most conversations until, until I get, unless I get, but the thing is that, you know, for a lot of times I like her to know that, you know, even though she went through tough times in school, we went through tough, you know, like it's not only just her and I, I want her to you know, be able to talk to me about these things and, and maybe just laugh at them because, you know, you know, she said she was bullied in school. I'm like, well, I'll tell you about my experience. And, you know, and I, I try to, you know, make her choose sometimes, you know, like we all have always have choices. Like we have a or B there's rarely a C option, you know, and which one are you going to choose? Because then it has 
you know, altern you know, it, it comes with con consequences or alternatives or benefits or, you know, and I try and I try and make her make those decisions because I don't like to make them for her unless like I really have to step in. Um, but I try and be as gentle as possible because I know stress is there. I'm like, I'm like, you want to see me stressed? I'm freaking stressed. Right. <laughs> I'm stressed seeing you. You're stressed seeing me. And, and, you know, like divorce is, is so rampant now, like with kids and, and like 50%. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there were never divorced families when we went to school, as far as I could tell. Uh, my married. parents waited till we we're finished school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they got to well, my parents are still married. And I think most of all their friends are getting close to, you know, 60 years. I think my parents are at 57 or 58 years. Um, you know, on, on the, on the kid topic, what I have, there's a rule my kids made me commit to is I no longer can say, well, when I was a kid, dot, oh. dot, because they don't want to, it's a different time now. They want to hear me relate to them, but they want to, they oh. want to feel like they can talk about their life without me saying, well, when I was a kid, all we just played outside all the time. Why do you want to be inside all the time? You know, so I relate to them in their stories. Um, but I'm, I'm learning that letting them tell me their story of their experience, as opposed to me overlaying what I experienced, you know, but I do think being a parent, uh, being open to our children in that way. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I, I require my kids and, you know, this is where I, my tough love comes in as a dad, they have to move their body. I don't care what sport they do. They get to pick. Um, my daughter's done aerial silk. She did hip hop dancing, you know, oh, cool. so whether that's, they all ride bikes, they all, um, we go on hikes, but that's something really important and for grownups, adults, but also for our, our kids and younger people, um, music instruments. You know, I'm a musician. All three of my kids play instruments, uh, guitar, piano. My, my oldest son's 15 is a trumpet player and he's in, you know, band and stuff like that. And so I think these kind of things, at least from, from my perspective, um, balance out how much our kids are looking at screens. And I know through COVID, mm -hmm. everybody was looking at screens. You, you know, you yeah. and I are on a screen now. We're running our business through, uh, mm -hmm. through the internet and through Zoom. So that's not going to change. But what we can do is balance that out with movement, with hobbies, with other interests that I think are make us well-rounded and, and really are, help our help our, our kids and, and and younger people is just to learn that as they're growing up. It's 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 it is about balance. And maybe we're never in balance, but we can offset so much screen time with other things. Oh, right? for sure. I mean, and I think it's it's important as adults to set that that tone right because a lot of if you think about some kids who sit on on devices like are their parents that active and active enough or you know to force their kids to get off them because really it's for a parent it's like fighting with your child and you it's brutal you have to I mean, win that's our leverage you want to you want to have leverage yeah, yeah. That's your leverage. I'm going to take your phone away or, you know, do you That's know that? right. You're not going to get like your... I explained it to my kids. There's 24 hours. Let's say we sleep for eight hours. And if they're on a device for eight hours, which they could look at their watch a Netflix show, look at their phone, maybe play a video game. That's one third of their day. They just are on a screen or on a device or something. And that just feels like way too much, you know, even in today's standards. So I think really minimizing or regulating teaching young people to regulate is a great mm -hmm. thing whether it's sugar or screen time or yeah. whatever but you know it's it's here to stay so i think you know we as parents and as in mm -hmm. adults to just get outside more move our bodies more you mm -hmm. know really commit to that kind of healthy life get on your bicycle get on your bikes <laughs> so aaron can they find somewhere to, so they should they just follow you on Instagram or in Facebook? Yeah, either of those right now is where I'm at. My my website's in the process of being created okay. and all that, and hopefully within a couple of weeks, you know, at the mo, you know, a month feels like way too long down the road, but you know, pretty soon the website will be up and running, and that'll be a platform that'll explain all the stuff. But yeah, I'm open to yeah, definitely follow me, Dr. Aaron Hubs. 
um, on uh, Instagram and just Aaron Hubs on Facebook. Um, either of those work. I have a much bigger presence on Facebook just because that's been more where, where I've been, but I'm trying to move it into Instagram a little bit. But either of those, I'm also, um, you know, reach out to me, send me a DM or email me or, you know, connect to me if you have questions or you have interest of anything I've talked about or my programs or, or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm old school. I love, I love quick little phone calls. You know, I text. I know, all eh? too, but <laughs> I, I love just like pick a, up the phone, a 10 minute, you know, just, you know, I always offer that to people before they mm-hmm. want to work with me, whether that was back in my patient day, you know, uh, clinical days uh, or now we got to feel it out. So I, I really appreciate when people just want to have a quick conversation and ask some questions yeah. and get to know me a little bit better yeah. in that way. So September, let's say, is that when you're going to start the next one? Well, you know, <laughs> see, that's the interesting thing is when I'm gonna I push start you. I'm going to push you on this. <laughs> that's going to be, there'll be more set times, but right now this is a, this is more of a revolving thing. There is no set time. It's okay. not like I have, you know, for right now there's a program so, I, you know, I have guys at different levels in, you know, the, the program kind of thing. So we could, I could, oh, guy so you could can start anytime. Start tomorrow. Yeah. All right. So guys, if this is piquing your interest, um, or if there's a lady on here who uh, maybe thinks that this might be a good idea for their partner, um, Big time. this is who you're going to talk to. And uh, so... And so, you, like you said, you can start anytime, which is good. And I should have said how we, Aaron and I met each other is we're in the same mastermind. And that's why I was pushing him to say, okay, when's your program start? It's <laughs> right? like, when are you going to put in stone? But that's good. So, and you can also find him. Uh, so you said your website's on. So Instagram and Facebook is where to find him. And before we leave, Aaron, do you have anything that you want to uh, say before we wrap up to the audience? Well, first, I want to acknowledge you. I mean, I, you know, I'm really looking up to all the people and admiring the people that already have podcasts going and have things that, you know, and yours is doing really well. And I just want to comment and commend you on that. That's awesome. And I think you're your topic around cycling and, and, and that is, is, is just spot on. Cause I think it's just, it's a passion for you. And I can always, you know, I felt that from the beginning before I even really got to know you. Um, you know, I, I think the only thing I want to leave listeners with um, the audience with is uh, I'm a broken record or that squeaky wheel when it comes to gratitude. And I think that is such an easy, deep breathing, focusing on our breathing and gratitude. I think that's what I would leave people with is that there's no replacement for either of those. And just the simple, you know, I don't care how stressed we all get, whatever issues we all have going on, coming back to a place of gratitude uh, is life-changing. I was raised on it. It's something I raised my kids on, but when we eat, we go around the circle and say something we're grateful for. Such a good idea. That's what I wanted to do with my family, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's a simple thing I would leave, you know, some of the things I probably brought up feel complicated or like a big deal for men to come and talk about these different things or a mm-hmm. nutrition, but just uh, instilling gratitude, gratitude journal, um, just sitting you know, three to five things we're grateful for when we wake up or when we go to bed, but we can do that with our family. And I think it's important for all of us to be speaking about things we're grateful for because um, we all want things, but I know things, we want things to be better. We, you know, that's, that's going to be ongoing, but when we take a moment and pause and just, uh, feel, feel grateful, um, you know, they've said the, that joy comes from gratitude. And so I think mm-hmm. the more we're in gratitude around things, we can feel more joy about our life. And so I know that's important to me. So I'll leave you with that. And I just want to say, thank you so much for having me on here. Um, been looking forward to it and it was super fun and thanks for I'm so happy to have you I think this is so epic and um I can't wait till this episode launches um and I truly hope that it helps you um you know having more people find out about what you're doing share what you're doing um because it's it's more important that we know you know women have an innate way of reaching out and always finding what we want. 
men not so much um and it's good because like i love your personality and i can feel that you know your program is you know like i you know i i can just feel that the men in there are probably getting what they need um and with all your experience especially not even like the academic part and the medical part and you know the life experience that you can offer a lot of guidance i mm. feel yeah, so. for me, this wasn't about uh, getting salesy. This isn't a no, sales. No, no. But no, I didn't it's... think it that way, but I think it's building trust. You know, I think when we, these platforms like podcasts and different things, yeah, you know, get we're the all word trying out. to get an audience, whether we're yeah. selling something or trying to build a podcast. So the more I can be on, uh, you know, podcasts and just speak authentically about who I am and what I'm doing, that's all I cared about. You know, thanks for the plugs and thanks for the follow. You know, people want to follow me. That's great. But really, um, I'm appreciating just the opportunity to talk, just to talk authentically about myself and to, you know, get parts of my story out there and to just, you know, shed light into the work I'm doing because it's really needed. And the people that are going mean. to find me, they're going to find me. Not every, you know, the people that are ready, it's kind of one of those things. But um, so mm -hmm. I appreciate just the opportunity to be here and, uh, you're super fun. So I appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Well, appreciating you too. And we're appreciating our listeners for um, taking on this and enjoying. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to follow both of us on Instagram. And don't forget to share this. And don't forget to give us a review or a five star. And most importantly, putting the notifications on so that you don't miss another episode because you never know who I'm going to be talking to who's always going to have some sort of a cycling twist but they're going to have other stuff to talk about too so thank you very much and have yourself an amazing day thanks a lot Aaron thanks everybody thanks Sylvie take care thank you so much for spending this time with me on the secrets from the saddle podcast learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.